0: A cell phone is life. It's a way to keep in touch with friends whom we may have had to separate from. How we keep track of time for when the days seem to blend together between unstructured catnaps and for some memorabilia to a time before finding ourselves without shelter. So naturally, the solution has always presented itself to use technology as a means to connect and assist young people in need. And I simply cannot wait for the cell phone to become not only a tool for selfies, but a tool for survival.
1: That was Anthony introducing a web-based app called Youth Matters Philly that points homeless and unstably housed youth here in Philadelphia to critical, life-sustaining resources like shelters, food pantries, and legal assistance. Not too long ago, Anthony had nothing to his name. No money, no place to live, no place to shower, and as he looks back to those days now, he shares just how helpful a tool like this, something on his phone directing him to critical resources, would have been, and how important it is for those struggling today. The good news is that every day we see more and more tools like this one, designed as a resource for people with dire and immediate needs, come online. So today on Bending the Arc, we're gonna dig into this phenomenon from selfies to social justice, how socially conscious technology is changing the world for the better. Welcome to Bending the Arc, the podcast from the University of Pennsylvania's School of Social Policy and Practice. I'm your host, Dan Treglia. Let's face it, in the past couple of months, we've discussed some incredibly challenging topics. We've talked about homelessness, intimate partner violence, human trafficking, and violence generally, with some discussion of ongoing and potential solutions that provide some critical context, hope, and hopefully provide a way for you as our listeners to take action. But today we're focused on solutions particularly on how computers, tablets, and phones, technology that so many of us take for granted, are providing platforms for positive change. With a dive into Youth Matters Philly, the app that you heard about in our introduction, with podcast fellow, Alana Peck.
2: Hey, Dan. Hey, everyone.
1: Hey, Alana. But before we dive into Youth Matters Philly, let's talk about how technology is specifically targeted toward addressing social problems. I'm gonna group these solutions into kind of two broad categories here those that are intended for people that need help, like Youth Matters Philly, and programs meant for the larger community, generally people that aren't directly affected, to help those in need. Most, our research indicates, falls under the umbrella of the latter, designed for people who can make a difference for some particularly vulnerable community. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's what you're most likely to be familiar with. At its most generic and basic, think of GoFundMe, a crowdfunding site where anyone can give money to someone who makes a request. We see this a lot for people developing nonprofits or people who need some extra help with personal bills, oftentimes medical bills, evictions, things like that. And online fundraising has grown substantially, particularly on mobile devices, where fundraising has increased by 80% since 2013. Now more commonly, there's a not-for-profit organization that's either the recipient of the funds or is making the ask on behalf of a person. This makes the donations A, tax-deductible, and second, it provides some legitimacy and credibility to a request that has been vetted by some legitimate organization. I was involved in the creation of one, called Street Change, that allows anyone with a smartphone to donate money towards specific items requested by people who are homeless, who then meet with a caseworker or peer specialist to discuss long-term goals when their item was ready. Anyway, that's my shameless plug and we'll link to lists of socially conscious apps and websites in our show notes. The second kind of app or web-based program, and the one we'll be focused on today, are the ones to be used by people that are actually in need of assistance. There are a whole slew of them out there for people of all ages and demographics facing all kinds of challenges. One of my personal favorites is a texting service called Crisis Text Line, in which anyone facing a crisis or some kind of emotional pain can text with a live, trained crisis counselor who can help them get through it and, if necessary, help them connect to more long-term services. We'll list a few of our favorites on our episode page. Alana, we're diving into the Youth Matters Philly app that we've talked about a little bit. Tell us a little bit more.
2: So you can find the website at www.youthmattersphilly.org. The site was developed out of a partnership between the Juvenile Law Center, SB2 and Hack for Impact, an undergraduate group at Penn that specializes in tech projects for social good. We talked to Dr. Johanna Griesen, an associate professor here at SB2, and Marcia Hopkins, the Youth Advocacy Program Manager at the Juvenile Law Center, to learn more about the project, how it helps, who is using it, how it came to be, and lessons learned for others who are trying to create similar resources. This is Marcia providing an overview of Youth Matters Philly.
0: So Youth Matters Philly is a web-based app um, and really it is designed with young people in mind to um, allow an easier way for them to be able to access and find resources.
2: There are over 500 resources available on the site, specifically curated for young people in need of extra support, particularly youth who are homeless or don't have stable housing, and maybe have some history in the foster care or juvenile justice systems. A map on the landing page is searchable by over 30 resource categories, like case management services, emergency shelter, vital documents, and public libraries. Results can also be filtered by age, foster youth status, gender, sexual orientation, parenting status, and immigration status in order to connect specific vulnerable populations like undocumented or LGBTQ youth to services best tailored to their needs. In addition to those resources, youth can find how-to pages with step-by-step guides for deceivingly complex and critical activities like opening a bank account and finding health care. Here's Marcia again to explain.
0: And specifically for youth who might have um, aged out or left the system um, at a certain period of time, they are eligible to maintain their health insurance until they're 26. You know, it's really important for people to have their health insurance, especially if you're not connected um, to a supportive family or supportive adults. staying with know your rights. What we often find through our work and you know, other legal services like Education Law Center or Support Center for Child Advocates is that um, a lot of the youth that they serve uh, may not know what their rights are in court. Um, or overall what their rights are um, in the child welfare system and so we wanted to have that information easily accessible and readable um,
2: on the website for them as well. So there's a lot of information housed in one place and I think Dr. Greason sums up the purpose of this site really nicely in the next clip.
3: So it it very much helps put the power back in their hands by allowing them to navigate what is really a complex web of providers and resources in the city um, easily and in a format that's most accessible to them.
1: You mentioned the intended audience as homeless youth or youth who left the foster care system because of their age who are often referred to as having quote aged out. Across the country there are over 41,000 youth between the ages of 16 and 24 homeless on a single night according to the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And that doesn't even include people who are homeless but are in a shelter with their parents or an older sibling who's with them as a caretaker. In Philadelphia, that number is close to 600, really 569 young people between the ages of 13 and 25 as of August 2016. And As Marcia told us when you spoke with her, about half of those youth had some experience with the juvenile justice or child welfare systems.
2: Yes, and as Dr. Greeson explains, these young people, especially youth aging out of foster care are at increased risk for a slew of bad outcomes and frequently run into problems while trying to find appropriate resources. They end up
3: homeless. They end up uh, addicted to substances, abusing substances. Um, They end up in prison. They end up um, not completing high school, uh, not going on to college or other vocational training. Um, they have a much higher rate of mental health problems, including things like uh, PTSD, um, which has been shown to be higher than war veterans. Um, there's a higher rate of pregnancy among young women, and then there's a higher rate of unplanned fatherhood of young, among young men. Um, they end up on public assistance. For kids that are vulnerable in these ways, if we can better connect them to resources, then we have a chance of perhaps intervening before these negative things happen.
1: So keeping this information in mind, I know I've asked you this question several times off mic, and I've bothered Johanna with it a couple of times as well, but I'll ask it again, why an app, how is an app able to solve youth homelessness?
2: I'll let Dr. Greeson answer this first, since it seems she's answered this question more than a few times. Why an app? Because it's the 21st century. And why not an app? But Dan, didn't you help create an app that's designed to help end homelessness?
1: How dare you use my work against me? But yes, yes I did. It's called Street Change go download it now.
2: Shameless plug there, but in all seriousness, I think in order to understand the impact that apps like Youth Matters Philly or Street Change can have on homelessness, we need to bust open an important myth. Many people assume smartphones are a luxury item. You might have caught this horrendous soundbite from Republican Congressman Jason Chaffetz during a debate on healthcare last year
3: americans have choices and they've got to make a choice and so maybe rather than getting that new iphone that they just love and they want to go spend hundreds of dollars on that maybe they should invest it in their own healthcare. they've got to make those decisions themselves
1: two things here first we could summarily dismiss the drivel that people are choosing luxury items over essentials like healthcare and housing writ large really like we could spend a full season of episodes debunking Chafus's argument that america's healthcare crisis is born out of individual responsibility but let's save that rant for another day. Second, there's mounting and overwhelming evidence that phones, even smartphones, are no longer luxury goods. Sure, they once were, but they are critical, especially for people that don't have another means of getting online, maybe because they can't afford broadband at home. Really, this argument just isn't grounded in reality. A Pew Research Center report from earlier this year estimated that 77% of Americans own a smartphone a massive increase from 35% in 2011. And that number skyrockets to 94% if we just look at young people 18 to 29. This remains true across the income spectrum. 92% of people earning less than $30,000 a year own a cell phone of any kind and two-thirds own a smartphone.
2: Yeah, that argument was terrible. And I think given these numbers, it's safe to say that people experiencing housing instability also depend on smartphones. I'll let Marcia explain. A lot of young people, even when they're experiencing um, housing
0: insecurity, are, still have access to technology um, some kind of way. And in Philadelphia, we actually have a lot of like hotspots and Wi-Fi places that youth can like log on on their laptops or their tablets or their phones Um, even if they might not be directly connected to stable housing.
1: What she's describing is backed up by a study out of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia's policy lab, released early this year. They found that among homeless youth ages 18 to 21, 86% access the internet at least once a week, and a little bit more than half, 56%, access the internet at least once a day. All of this suggests that mobile tech is really a great way to reach a large youth audience.
2: There are also other advantages a web app has over paper. Paper is really easy to lose. I worked for a public school district for several years, and I cannot even tell you how many times I handed a young person a piece of paper with something important written on it, only to have it disappear into the ether.
0: So young people told us that they do not take pamphlets, um, that the most that they would take is maybe a palm-sized card or a half of a palm-sized card, but in general, the more paper that they get that they were like, we either lose it or it kind of like everything is a blur and fades out at a certain
2: point. I
1: still can't find that permission slip for my fifth grade class trip to the carnival. I wonder if it would have been fun.
2: <laughs> yes, true. We have all been there. And like Marcia shared, young people don't like paper. Hosting information in a way that makes sense to them is one way to drive users to the site. But as Dr. Greason describes, a web-based app opens doors a pamphlet or a phone app
3: Kids who don't have smartphones can still access the resource if they can get to a computer, which opens up places like libraries and schools, um, community centers, after-school programs as being portals to the information.
2: So everywhere you go, there is Youth Matters Philly. Creating an online resource bank also just makes sense from a logistical perspective. Although Philadelphia starts to feel small the longer you live here, it's geographically a large place. There are no shortage of services for youth in Philadelphia. Remember, there are over 500 resources currently housed on the site. That's a lot of information for one person to flip through. Here's Marcia again. There's so many resources to have a pamphlet
0: from all the resources in Philadelphia would be a lot. Um... And so really, that's what it was. And I think, too, that there's we were trying to create a place that there's a lot of different sites that you can go to to find resources, but there's not like a universal site. And I mean, ours, there's so many resources in Philadelphia, we still need to add more. In addition to
2: making it easier to locate services in your immediate area, it's much faster and more efficient to make updates to an online resource bank than a paper directory. And when you're looking at more than 500 contacts, as Dr. Greason told us, speed and efficiency are the name of the game.
1: So we've established the need for a resource bank and the advantages of a web-based app. But this resource has another very important feature. It's rooted in human-centered design, or as those of us in the social work field might refer to it, community-based practice. And for those of you not familiar with the term, human-centered design means pretty much what it sounds like, that the human perspective, like how someone would find the app, use it, and access certain features are taken into account during every step of the development. The process is extremely important. And I know this is something that the juvenile law center and Johanna took very seriously. Tell me a little bit about what they did.
2: I'll actually let Marcia explains this. She leads juvenile law centers youth advocacy group called Youth Fostering Change, which gives young people who have been in the foster care or juvenile justice systems opportunities to develop skills like public speaking or lobbying to make an impact in their communities. This group weighed in in the app pretty frequently during the development process.
0: We did do um, several interviews with our youth. Actually, they came up with the name for it. Um, They met with us continuously over this process of you know, are we doing this right? Like, what should be included in here? Um, so we did, like a a lot of interviews with them um, through the app, and actually they know a lot about <laughs> they know a lot about it um, because they've gone through this process with us. Um, and even now, we still go we've gone back to them like after launch and talk to them about things um, and getting their input because it's really important because it's designed for them. You know, it was important for us to
2: make sure that they were included throughout the process. And their feedback was really important. For example, we're both academics and can sometimes rely on language that may not be the most youth friendly. Would you agree?
1: I've been in academia so long, my wife no longer has any idea what I'm talking about. And you know, maybe she's happier now.
2: (laughs) Youth fostering change played a major role. They made sure the language used on the site would make sense to users. So we asked them like, you know, so as adults, this is how
0: we identify this resource. Should we put that the same way on the site, or how do young people identify that? For example, like don't say um, housing insecure. You need to say like homelessness. I'm just using that as an example. Sure. Or you know, um, um, like men- we went I think we went back and forth on like mental health services or legal services um, to make sure that we were using language that is youth friendly and that youth um, understand and can identify. Um, Because that's really important um, for them and to make sure they know what they're accessing.
2: The Youth Advocacy Group also made some suggestions that made for some really interesting and functional features on the site. Just thinking about, you know, if we're all in moments where we're trying to get that
0: resource really quickly, you might want to save it because maybe you can't call it right at that minute. Um, how do you, instead of having to go back to the website, pull back up the resource and the information, what feature could we have on here that would allow them to still have it? And so they were like, well, if we could text ourselves the resource, that would actually be great. That came up and was something like very high on our wish list for the app to have young people be able to text themselves the resource or just individuals in general, right? They're like, if I'm supporting a young person and I see something on the website and I'm like, oh, I need to remember to send this to, I'm just gonna make up a name, Pete. And you know I wanna make sure that I don't forget, I can text it to myself and then text it to him.
1: This is exactly the kind of innovation that human-centered design is supposed to produce. Think about a young person who maybe has an older style cell phone and not a smartphone. They might find a resource through Youth Matters Philly on a public computer at the library or at school, and then they can text it to themselves to find again later. It's such a simple, crucial thing that really without youth input, almost certainly would have been overlooked
2: and as youth matters philly continues to grow this youth centered design remains a central focus recently the site broadened their reach by launching a youtube series to highlight youth-centered resources in more depth not only does this allow the juvenile law center to get the word out more quickly about time sensitive opportunities but as marcia explains it can also break down an important barrier for young people i think we found from
0: young people too it's just scary to access some of these resources especially when you're talking about, you know, having to be in a shelter, Um, it can be scary Um, or just, you know, applying for a new resource, you know, that can greatly change your life. While positively, um, you know, you just might have a lot of reservations or concerns. And we all do when we're accessing resources to have someone visually be able that you can see tell you some more information about it that maybe to help alleviate some of your stress, you might be more inclined to go, you know, access it.
2: I think this is really an important point, and I also really love this idea. My students were always reluctant to pick up the phone and make a call, even if the person on the other end had access to a resource that they desperately needed. Being able to make a virtual connection and get a preview of what the other person on the line looks like that could really help young people feel a little more comfortable and understand how to access what they need. I really love talking with Marcia because her enthusiasm for this project was evident throughout our conversation. She shared that the team at the Juvenile Law Center is working to continue to expand the reach of the app here in Philadelphia. In
0: general, we're hoping to increase the capacity of the app. Um, And some things that are kind of in our wish list that we're hoping to have is to be able to have some type of alert system for youth or providers that could alert them to like services that are in high demand or like new services that are coming up, or like if there's a new service and there's a deadline to get it in by this. We're also trying to look into creating some type of listserv of providers listed in the app so that we can keep our information up to date. And in general, we're trying to improve the capacity around the search functions Um, to make sure youth have a list that's accurate, that's fast, it's efficient, it's effective. And then we're also talking to some other partners like United Way and the Philadelphia Youth Network to see if there's other ways that we can collaborate about some of the resources that young people need and are looking for in Philadelphia.
1: I know Johanna also has a rise on that goal, as well as expanding to the rest of the state. So there could be a Youth Matters Pittsburgh and a Youth Matters Scranton and so on. And one thing I want to add, and this wasn't underway when Johanna and I spoke a few months ago, is that she's leading an evaluation of the Youth Matters Philly program. She's surveying youth involved with the Juvenile Law Center, asking them how they're using the app, what parts of the design work well, which pieces are hard to find or need improvement. And then the hope is that the Juvenile Law Center can garner the resources to make any improvements that are recommended by the study. As we're thinking about next steps of the program, I want to ask, What can people do to help, either for Youth Matters Philly specifically, or the Juvenile Law Center, or youth who may need some additional support?
2: Great question. For those in the Philadelphia area who may be sitting on a great resource they'd like to share with Youth Matters Philly, head over to their website, www.youthmattersphilly.org. There's also a link to the site in our show notes. And there you'll find a tab where you can drop a suggestion. And for youth experiencing homelessness who may be looking for access to resources, Marcia has some powerful advice. I think, one, don't
0: be discouraged. Looking for resources in a place that has a whole pot of resources is a lot. Um, And so, you know, being patient, um, you know, to find the resource that you need um, because it takes some time, unfortunately. Um, I would also say calling people. So if they find a resource that they really like, Um, But have questions, just give them a call and, you know, ask more questions about it. That's what I do because it just helps to alleviate my stress about things. And I, um, I, too, like someone who I can physically talk to versus sometimes like I'll find all the information on the website um, and I have it. But I'm like, I still just want to give a call before I just go in and access the resource. Um, And I I feel like um, some places have been having some like in-person meetings, which are really important because they're trying to do more of the personal aspect for young people. So I encourage them if a place that they're interested in is having an open house or something go in, if they can, you know, or see, maybe they could call in so that they can ask their questions or physically see the space.
2: I'm so glad we have people like Marcia and Dr. Greason working so diligently to connect young people to resources in their community. It really warms the heart. It really does warm the heart. And for those listening whose hearts are also warmed, if you're looking to support the Juvenile Law Center in this project, you can make a donation on their website, www.jlc.org.
1: Thank you, Alana. I've gotten to know a little bit about Youth Matters Philly over the last few years, but this has been enlightening for me, and I think really meaningful for our listeners. That's it for this episode of Bending the Arc. Thank you to Johanna Griesen and Marcia Hopkins for speaking with us and giving us a little bit more faith in humanity. Listen to back episodes and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and get today's show notes and learn more about Youth Matters Philly, or find other ways you can make a difference on our website, www. Dot sp2, that's the number two, dot dot E-D-U slash You can also send us your thoughts on this episode or suggest new topics for us to explore by emailing us at bending the at sp This episode was produced by myself, Alana Peck, Emily Berkowitz, Blanca Castro, and Alison Fedoris. And a big thank you and welcome to our new team of podcast assistants. Because of them, we might even have an Instagram one of these days. We'll be back with another episode at the end of the month. Bye bye for now.